You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into a house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Jesus, sorry, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, BJ, for the reading of God's word. Good morning, church. Let's try that again. Good morning, church. Wow. Well, now it sounds more like we are prepared for the coming season. Okay, I'm walking too much. Yes. Okay, so um, as usual, I'm going to give a very quick update about our mission work in Timor-Leste and also our missionaries in Northern Thailand. So let me begin with this. Okay, you have all heard about the recent trip that we made uh, and conducted a health or rather a dental health program for all the students at Shalom School. Uh, We also had the opportunity to meet uh, the students in our sponsorship Program. You remember late last year, I shared with you that we wanted to start an education sponsorship program for 51 students uh, in Shalom who are not able to pay school fees. And uh, several of you, about almost 33 of you, uh, actually supported this program so that all 51 students uh, can have their school fees paid. They will have new uniform, etc., etc., etc. So we met them. And we had a simple, just a sit down together with them and they were doing their letters. So good news. Uh, those of you who are, who are sponsoring these students, please proceed upstairs to the third level after the service uh, to collect the letters or the cards, okay, that uh, are written for you. All right, so they are available upstairs. So come and meet me upstairs. At the same time, uh, I'm calling for you to renew your sponsorship for another year. So there's going to be QR codes and uh, banking details that you can directly send your funds uh, to Care Channels International, which is the partner with Shalom School for this program. Okay, so it's available upstairs. Come and see me uh, when you go upstairs at the third level after the service. Is that all right? Wonderful. Next, some update. You would remember them, right? Song. Uh, he's, or he's from Thailand, Chiang Mai. And then his wife, Yulian, is from Singapore, and they have their beautiful daughter, Maggie, they are settling well in Chiang Mai, uh, into their home. They have actually started some preparation at the farm, and I was hoping to show you some of the photos at the farm that they are preparing. So what this farm is going to do is to uh, provide some income for you for, for them, also, also to provide food for their extended family. So we call this farm a faith garden project. Why faith? Faith stands for food always in the house. That's good, right? So there is this concept, this theory of um, 
Thank you. If you want to clap, let's do a good one. Huh? Yeah, okay. Uh, so they are doing this Faith Garden project, okay, at this particular area about maybe uh, an hour and a half from where they are staying in Chiang Mai, which I'm looking forward to visit uh, come February. So uh, beside that, they will be visiting the targeted area of their ministry work in a place called Uta Radit. You must get it right. Uta Radit. That's the area that they are going to. I'd like to uh, take this opportunity to announce to you that we have the next mission trip coming up. The next slide will show you that there's going to be a mission trip to Chiang Mai in February from 17 to the 22nd of February 2023. So the cost is not very high, just the land cost, which include all the uh, transfers, accommodation, and even food is only $438. Uh, that's excluding your airfare, of course, and you can decide how you want to fly. You want to fly first class, business class, or economy is up to you. Okay, and you can decide whether you want to go earlier or come back later. That's also up to you. So you can book your own FS, you know, buy your own travel insurance. But if you are confirmed going, then we need you to uh, transfer this amount, $438, to Agape Church account, indicating that you, this is for the Thailand mission trip. Is that all right? Uh, you can also, if you have questions, you can also meet me upstairs on the third level after the service and ask me all the questions you want. All right? Allow me to just take some time to pray for both Timor and Thailand. Would you bow your hearts? Father God, we thank you this morning that we are here in your presence and that we can celebrate, Lord, the season of giving, the season of joy because of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to remember Timor Lese, specifically Shalom School. And Lord, we want to also remember, Lord, our missionaries in, in Chiang Mai. Father, we want to pray your blessing, your covering, your protection over each one of the students at Shalom School, teachers at Shalom School, and also our missionaries in Thailand. Lord, may you cover them, protect them, watch over their coming in and their going out. May you use them, Lord, continually, Lord, to shine the light of the gospel for you in the area, Lord, where you have allowed them to minister. So we commit all of this to you. And Father, I also want to pray that as we, as we open your word today, May your word truly be life for us, each one of us. May your word speak to each one of us in the seasons that we are in. We receive your word, and I pray, God, that you will allow my words, my heart, and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say, Amen. Wonderful. May I ask you to keep your Bible open to our passage today in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Our story actually took place in a home. Specifically, it's in the home of two sisters, Martha and Mary. Now, for most of us, this is the time of the year we are either visiting homes or we are hosting people in our homes. No? Or yes? Right? If you don't have any homes to, to, to visit, tell me. Okay? And uh, I will do something about it. Maybe I'll invite you to my home. Okay, but uh, many of us will be visiting homes. Like, I'll be visiting homes. I'll be visiting um, Pastor Tooth's home. Right, that's on the 26th. I already, you know, book it down. Yeah? And there are people who are coming to my home as well. You know, usually this is the time of the year we are busy visiting or hosting. 
Now, some of us, this is the time where we enjoy so much because we love hosting. It's the time that we ask, you know, we look forward to, to have friends, guests come to your home. But for some of us, uh, it is a stressful time because that's the thought of cooking, preparing, and then cleaning afterwards. It's just too exhausting. So for so some of us, this is a time where it's either stressful or blissful. But for Sarah and I, my wife and I, we, we really enjoy having people uh, over at our home because, you know, we like the relaxed atmosphere. We like the privacy. We like sometimes even the intimacy in the connection that we will have with our guests. However, it may be completely opposite for you. And it is, it is okay, I understand. But in our text today, that's what happened. You know, Martha, the Bible tells us in verse 38 that Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. You know something? Pause and think about it. Jesus was probably a stranger to Martha and Mary. How many of you would invite a stranger to your home? Honestly, you would. Some of you. No hands, really? Yeah, I see some hands. Come on, they are, I'm sure they are brave ones. Yeah? Yeah, we would, some of us would invite strangers to our home. Because why? That's what hospitality really means. I'll go into that. But hospitality, the word hospitality is actually a very important biblical word in the biblical world. And I think it should also be an important word in our world today. In fact, we are told by Paul in Romans 12 and verse 13, Paul says to contribute to the needs of the saints, which some of you are doing very well. And then he followed up by saying, and seek to show hospitality. So the word hospitality is actually a very important word in not just the biblical world, but in our world today. Think about it. Martha met Jesus probably the first time and then invited him into her home. Nice, right? Well, at least that's nice to me. Now, a few things about hospitality. Hospitality is not entertainment. Agree? It is not entertainment. It's not meant to show off what you have or, what, or how well you can organize a party. The word hospitality can be found in the Bible four times, at least in the ESV version. In the English Standard Version, you will find the word hospitality appearing four times. The first one is what we just read in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 13. Show hospitality. The second one is found in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10. It's referring to the, to the widows. You know, widows who were, be, who were qualified to enroll in the church program, in the church su uh, support program. And he says that these widows who have shown hospitality. The next verse is taken from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, where the writer of Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, that we get that word strangers specifically here in showing in the showing of hospitality. The last one is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. It says, to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So, again, hospitality is not entertainment. 
It's not about showing up. Hospitality, as this verse shows us, is both action and affection. It's about receiving and loving a stranger. Hospitality is not only for people we have recently met. In fact, it's also for people we regularly see. We are called to show love to a new student at school maybe. And some of you who are primary sixes here, you're going to a new school and you'll meet new friends. We are called to show love to our neighbor, maybe a relative, a cousin or so, or maybe someone with a criminal history. We are also called to love and receive the person that sits beside you at church. Or a young couple with children, but their family lives far away from them. You see, hospitality means serving them, all these people that I've mentioned. A new student at school, a neighbor, a cousin, somebody in church sitting next to you. It means feeding them sometimes. It means even clothing them sometimes, inviting them into your home. But most importantly, invite them into your heart by loving them with the love of Jesus Christ. I want to say this. Biblical hospitality is not merely a work of our hands. Of course, it includes that. Preparing of a meal, serving the meal, washing up after. But it also involves a work in our hearts. Hospitality is a beautiful word. It's, it should be applied to all Christians. All Christians, according to the Bible, according to my understanding of Scripture, is what we are all called to as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. You know, I made a very interesting discovery as I was studying this. You know, Jesus never owned a home. He never did. Yet, he is super when it comes to hospitality. He got invited into many homes, homes unexpected, even the home of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. Oh, the, the, um, the Levi, the, 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 the tax collector. You know, he went to many, many homes. And he was always involved in not just receiving hospitality, but showing hospitality. Biblical hospitality is not merely a work of our hands, but it involves a work in our hearts. I believe that hospitality is something that we all as believers and followers of Jesus Christ must be a part of. Why? Because it shows us, it demonstrates to us that the gospel has truly shaped us. How does the gospel shape us in the way we show hospitality? It's when Christians understand that the strongest motivation to show hospitality is not God's command, not the law, but His love for us in Christ. That's the gospel. Jesus was a stranger to Martha and Mary, yet when Jesus came to Bethany, where Martha and Mary uh, lived, Martha demonstrated hospitality by welcoming Jesus into their home. And as the story progressed, we realized that Martha quickly busied herself with the task of serving her guests, rightfully. Although we are not told 
precisely what those tasks are, uh, we can guess, right? What do you think that uh, Martha was busy with? Any guess? Preparing for food, right? Preparing the food, setting the table, making sure that, you know, they get their feet washed, get their hands washed, and all those things. Yeah? What traditionally uh, anyone would do when they have guests into your home, right? While Martha was busy in the kitchen, probably, the Bible tells us in uh, verse 38, they were invited, then verse 39, you know, uh, you know, basically, it gives us a little bit uh, glimpse into the picture of what's happening. So, Martha and Mary invited Jesus into the home. Jesus came in. Then Martha began to busy herself. And then the Bible tells us that Martha has a sister named Mary. And verse 39, Mary begins, it's a very powerful verse. Because it, it, it's not just symbolic. When somebody says that Martha or Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So it's, it can be symbolic in that she was there receiving the teaching from the teacher, the rabbi, Jesus Christ. Or it can mean that literally, not just symbolically, Mary was very up close to Jesus. That means she was just right at the feet of Jesus, literally, close by, so close. And the Bible tells us in verse 39 that Mary was at the feet of Jesus listening. Wow, what a contrast, right? Straight away you see Martha was busy and then Mary was uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus, doing nothing. So that's why verse 40, the Bible tells us, in fact, you know, for Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word was not the place she's supposed to take. In fact, it was a it was, um, it was more proper if she would have been in the kitchen helping with the sister. But she took that place at the feet of Jesus. She assumed the posture of a student learning at the feet of a rabbi, something that traditionally is only reserved for men. Now, this may not seem like a big deal today, but back in the times of Jesus, this is radical. In fact, you know, I, was, um, I didn't want to show you any of the the, the text that I read, quotes from rabbi, you know, and it's terrible because they demean the position of women. And, and some of them even say that, you know, they're, they're not even, they, are, they are like animals. Women are like animals. They don't deserve, you know, uh, any education. They don't deserve any place. It's so sad. So therefore, you know, when we read the passage like this and when you see that Jesus in a home accepting a woman close to him, if it is literal, at his feet, sitting and taking the posture of a student, a follower, listening to Jesus. That was a posture, that was a, a picture that is unseen, unusual, unexpected, but it happened. Then, something happened. What was a beautiful picture Right, some of you when you read this passage, wow, so beautiful, and you see all the painting uh, of of this uh, passage uh, of the of Mary sitting up close to Jesus at his feet and leaning forward to listen to Jesus. Wow, what a beautiful picture! But then in verse forty, as you see on the screen, this pleasant story then had a sharp turn. 
Because Martha, who was distracted by many tasks, came to Jesus. You know, so imagine she was busy in the kitchen organizing everything, and then she rushed into the living room probably, saw what was happening, was upset, so upset that she said these words to Jesus, Lord, do you not care? that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. Now, when you read this passage or when you hear this story being told, some of you are cheering in your heart for Mary. Because, why? You know, you, you admire her choice to ignore the pressure of society because she was a woman. And that she has taken the rightful place. She has taken the, the choice place, a good portion, the Bible says later. And some of you are cheering, you know, in your heart for, wow, Mary, what a brave woman. You know, what a brave girl. You know, ignore what was the pressure around her and then just sat by Jesus at his feet, completely, completely giving her focus and attention to Jesus. Wow, some of you will be cheering for Mary, right? And some of us will be very sympathetic to Martha. You know, especially her resentment of her sister leaving her to do all the work and all of that. And then you may say, you know, wow, poor thing, Martha. You know, her story like put her in a very bad light. And so you empathize. You know, um, the truth is, if you are more like a Martha, you know, you're the type that loves to serve, and don't mind serving, cooking, preparing, cleaning, and all that, you will be empathizing with Martha. For those of you who don't like to cook, prepare, and uh, host, and you just want to enjoy the presence of God, you will be cheering for Mary inside of you. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is not that Mary is right and Martha was wrong, or Martha is right and Mary was wrong. No, that's not the point of the story. See, because for Jesus, it was always, it always has to do with the issue of the heart. Somebody say amen to that. For Jesus, it's always got to do with what's going on in their hearts. You know, at first look, Jesus' response to Martha may seem like very harsh. Yet what Jesus was doing was simply and plainly pointing out that her heart was anxious and troubled. And you know the way Jesus answered her is so beautiful. I think it is beautiful. Jesus said, Martha, or Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Okay, a little bit of Bible trivial here. There are only seven people in the Bible whose name were called twice. For example, Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> Who's the next person, do you think? They had their name called twice. That's why I say it's the Bible trivial. It's got nothing, not important to what I'm going to talk about, but I just thought it's just fun. So you've got Abraham, Abraham, Jacob, Jacob, Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, Martha, Martha. And of course, Simon, Simon, and then Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Seven people. So Martha was among them. The only lady. So if you think for a moment that Jesus' words to to, to, to Martha was a little harsh. Think again. Oh, it made me think again. Why? Why did... I believe it was... You know, if you study all the different people 
whose name was called twice, it was at a major turning point of their life. Don't read it up. Okay, that's all. Now, the problem with Martha is not that she is busy serving and providing hospitality. Of course not. Because you know why? Just the passage before, Jesus actually was saying, we should serve and love our neighbor. Including the Samaritan, uh, I mean, he was talking about the Samaritan man who helped a, a Jew who was robbed, beaten, and left to die on the road to Jericho. Of course, Jesus was not against that. So the problem with Martha is what? It's not her serving, but her anxious and troubled heart. And we can all relate to that. It doesn't mean that if you are married, you will never have anxiety or trouble or restrictions. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. What does the word anxious mean? Well, it has this connotation of being pulled and dragged in different directions. Can you imagine somebody pull you in this direction, somebody pull you in this direction, somebody pull you in that direction? That's very uncomfortable. Now, Martha's anxiety and worry actually did something negative for her. It leaves no room for the most important aspect of hospitality. And what is the most important aspect of hospitality? It is gracious attention to the guests. She even accused Jesus of not caring. Lord, Lord, don't you care? You see, this is what I discovered, and I submit it to you. Can you help me the next slide? Ah, okay. This is what I discovered. Martha's anxiety and worry actually prevented her from being truly present with Jesus. Not only that, it actually caused a, a wedge between her sister and herself. And then not just only that, it also created a, a gap between her and Jesus himself. If you read the passage slowly, you realize that what Jesus was pointing out is not that Mary was wrong or Martha was wrong, that Martha has missed out on the one thing needed. Because there is no greater hospitality than listening to your guests. How much more so when the guest is Jesus? You know, um, because I, I, have, I receive guests in my home, and, um, and because of my vocation as a pastor, I talk a lot, right? And uh, sometimes I talk too much without realizing. So I'm very grateful for my wife. And over time, she's the only one who dared to say to me, you talk too much. You're repeating yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're too aggressive. You know, and uh, over time, I've come to realize that she's right. So now we, we have this... Uh, you know, now, now she is a, a, a super support to me when it comes to having people in our home. As I, because you, you get me started on missions, I will probably not end. And I'll talk about not just missions in Timor, I'll talk about my pigs in Timor, I'll talk about my goats, and I'll talk about all of those things. 
and I'll go on and on and on and on, and uh, you know, without without even thinking for a moment whether my guest wanted to hear it or not. And then she would gently, you know, look me in the eyes or give me a light touch, and then I realized, oh, I've talked too much. It's time to close my mouth and then listen to what my guest has to say. And that has been tremendously helpful. You know, this, beautiful, this story, it's, has done something for me. It not only showed me what hospitality should be, it also opened my eyes to how easily distracted I can be. That I don't always, like Mary, choose the better part. And Jesus says, it will never be taken away. And that's so beautiful. It will never be taken away. So that's why verse 42, Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good portion, which is the title for that, for today. And not only that it is a good portion, it will never be taken away from her. That's what Jesus said, exactly those words. Whether it is symbolically or literally, Jesus was, I mean, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, embracing all that he has to say and teach and taught, rather. Soaking it in. Totally, totally absorbed in who Jesus is, the Son of God, who left the glory above, like we sang today in our, in our, choral, in our, in our singing, our worship today, and came from endless glory to just the, the, the dirt in the cradle. Wow. She was just totally, totally absorbed by the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to pause and think, what if Jesus' words actually to Martha was not a rebuke, but an invitation? Not a rebuke, but an invitation. Let me, let me say it this way. You know, Jesus is saying to, to Martha, 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 you are worried and distracted by many things. There is only one thing that is needed. And this is this. The one thing needed is for you, Martha, to receive the gracious presence of Jesus. Isn't that the reason why you invited Jesus into your home? To listen to his words. To know that you are valued. Not for what you do or how well you do them, but for who you are as a child of God. Wow. That's different. Now, let's talk about the good portion. Because Jesus said, Mary has chosen, received, taken, whatever, however you want to say it. He has, she has taken the good portion. What is this good portion? And we know specifically the good portion was the picture of Mary with Jesus. Giving Jesus her full attention and receiving from Jesus all the words of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. In our culture, Singapore, oh, it's very hectic. You know, our schedules are always full. Not only that, we have this 
pursuit for productivity. Not wrong. But because of those things, we are tempted to measure our worth by how busy we are. Right? We do. By, by how much we accomplished or how well we meet the expectations of others. You know, somebody, uh, every time when I, when I come and uh, people know that I went on a mission trip, like I went to Timor from the 6th to the 20th, I came back, attended church here on the 27th, and then I went to Jakarta. Last week I was at the church preaching uh, in Jakarta. And people ask me, how did it go? And, and always I have to take a cautious uh, reply. I have to make a cautious reply. I would say it's good. Because in my own heart, I always have to struggle with how much I'm doing. You know, last time people would ask me, as a pastor, what do you do? Huh? Do you just sit down and read the Bible the whole day? Some of you wonder, huh, what does what the pastor do full time? And now, what do you do as a... <laughs> missionary of, I'm not even called a missionary. <laughs> I only serve part-time with, with an organization called Care Channels and my, my, my job title is a strategic coordinator. What do you do? And sometimes I feel tempted to justify what I do. How many, how many poor I fed. How many times I shared the gospel with those who are close up they are not open to the gospel. They have no access to the gospel, some even. But it, are they important? I'm not sure. That's something I battle with. But I pray that today, our meditation on this text will provide a pause in our busyness and for us to reflect on what's truly important to us. You may identify yourself with Martha, because you are pulled, you, are, you feel pulled in different direction, worried, anxious, troubled by many things. But that's the common thread of life in our fast-paced life. And yet Jesus says to us in Luke 12, verse 25, Can you, any of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your span of life? Of course not. Of course not. We all know that worrying does no good and that much of what we worry actually is not so important in the larger schemes of things. But yet, somehow we feel we cannot quell this anx the anxious thoughts in our mind and, and the frantic activity that we engage in. Now, let me say this. It may be true that our busyness, in fact, even our distraction, can come from, uh, from, from good intentions. Not evil, good intentions. For example, you want to provide for your family, of course you work hard. You go to the second mile and even the third mile. We want to give our children every opportunity to enrich their lives. We want to serve our neighbors. Yes, we want to serve the Lord. Indeed, where would we be as a church without the martyrs that are sitting among us? Those faithful and very dear people who, you know, perform the task of hospitality and service that is so vital to making this church 
a welcoming church, and a well-functioning community. And yet, if all our activities leaves us with no time to be still in the presence of God and to hear His Word, then we are likely to end up anxious and troubled. Let me say that again. If all our activities leaves us with no time to be still in the Lord's presence and to hear God's Word, we are likely to end up anxious and troubled. We're likely to end up with a kind of service that is devoid of love, devoid of joy, and we can even become resentful of others. Lord, why? It's always me. I believe that both listening and doing, receiving God's word and serving others are very vital to the Christian life. Just as inhaling and exhaling are to breathing. Important, both needed. But let me ask you, how many of you ever forget to, de- to breathe in deeply? I do. In fact, I have to just do this exercise almost every night before I sleep. Breathe in deeply so that I can fall asleep. My point is this. Try serving without being nourished by God's word. Try serving without being nourished by God's word. And what that is like, it's like expecting good fruit to grow from a tree that has already been uprooted. You see, in our church, Agape, we have been encouraging you to read the Bible, right? We have a thing called a chapter a day reading, and next year we're coming up with new devotional. All of this to encourage you to invest time in God's word. But why is it so important for us to invest time in God's Word, to sit and be still, open up your Bible and read. I give you four things. Number one, because God's Word provides us with the very wisdom of God for life's decisions and direction. Secondly, I believe God's Word puts us in communion with God because I believe that it can be two-way. Even in your devotional reading, it can be two-way. You're opening the scripture, you're reading, and you're allowing God to speak to you through His Word. I think number three is that God's Word puts all of life's pressure in perspective. I'm not saying that every time you feel life's pressure, you you open up the Bible, and it's going to automatically speak to you (laughs) like that, directly. You know, there's no um, tikam tikam, you know. One time, Pastor Guna preached a message and entitled it, Tikam Tikam Faith. It's not like you open the Bible, you point, and then you read and say, definitely it's going to speak to me about my, my pressure or whatever. No, it doesn't work that way. It's usually something you have read and the Holy Spirit brings back remembrance. But if you have not read, the Holy Spirit cannot bring back the remembrance. The fourth thing is that God's Word, I believe, is the good portion which can never be taken away. All things will pass away, but your word will remain. The words of Christ. How do we grow in faith? We grow in faith by listening to the words of Christ. You know, one interesting thing, as I come to a close, is that Luke's story is left suspended. <laughs> yeah, if you read, huh? verse 42, what happened? Just Jesus says that Mary has chosen the good portion and then boom, the story ends and we move on to the next thing. So it's left 
suspended. What happened? We don't know, you know, what happened next. But did Mary and Martha reconcile? Somehow they, find, they found a middle ground and they take turns. Martha now sits at the feet of Jesus. Mary is in the kitchen preparing. I don't know. Whether did they both enjoy the meal with, you know, uh, uh, you know, that Martha has prepared? We don't know. She was so angry, she just dumped everything. Maybe it didn't turn out right. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know what happened because Luke never tells us what happened after. It's left suspended. Wow. Did Ma? I wonder, as I was reading and studying, did Martha and Mary finally, they were finally able to sit and give Jesus their full attention? I don't know. But as I read this passage, I know one thing for sure, and that is this, that Jesus invites all of us who are worried, distracted, troubled, and anxious by many things to choose the good portion. That's what I know. That's the point of this story. I don't know what happened later, whether it reconciled or not. But one thing I know, that in this story, there is an invitation. The invitation is for us, whether we are already like Mary sitting at the, at the feet of Jesus to affirm us, that we have taken the good portion, or we are like Martha, busy, distracted, anxious, and troubled by many things to choose the good portion. My dear friends, I don't know what brought you here. The routine of Sunday morning, your commitment to Christ, or the invitation of a friend. I don't know. But my dear friend, Jesus, who is the reason behind all the celebration of Christmas, is giving you an invitation to take the good portion. There's a story of a man named Ben. It was told by a pastor who wrote the book, The Danger, the Danger of Worship. It's, a, it's supposed to shock you. Okay? The title is supposed to shock you already. And so Ben was a very successful man. So his professional life actually flourished. Well, but his family life was a bit of a challenge. So for Ben, his Christian faith was a distant and disconnected reality. But somehow, Ben was thinking and, and even talking to his pastor about his faith. And some of us maybe can relate. So one Sunday, Ben was at church Pastor was surprised to see him and then, you know, and, and for him to approach him. With tears in his eyes, Ben explained that while he was visiting another city for a professional conference, he decided to visit a church. You know, it's those, one of those uh, big churches with a long history. Like, like in, our, in Singapore, we have St. Andrew Cathedral, where you can actually pop in any time in the week, find your way into the, into the chapel and sit at one corner and do whatever you want but you have to be quiet, meditative, and uh, actually be religious, lah, basically, because you're in a church with a long, long history. So Ben was in one of these churches, and so what he did was, you know, um, he went in and he found an empty side of the chapel, so he sat down for some quiet time and reflection. 
and death, unexpected. God's Spirit simply came upon him. In that empty part of the chapel, while he was still, while he was thinking, reflecting about his faith, God's Spirit came upon him. In Ben's word, he says, I became a new person. The awe and wonder of the gospel of grace and truth beyond his own mind, beyond his own questions, beyond his own needs, simply met him and changed him. It was as though his life was utterly redefined by the simplicity of the gospel. What is the gospel? Mark Davis said this, the good news of the gospel is that the one and only God who is holy made us in his image to know him, but we sin and cut ourselves off from him. In his great love, God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust him. He now calls us to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. That, in a nutshell, is the gospel. Dear people, the good news is that we can receive what Jesus called the good portion, which will never be taken away. I'm not sure whether you have been searching or seeking God or you have been attending church all your life, but the invitation is the same. Jesus calls you to come, to sit, to rest in his presence, to hear his words of grace and truth, to be embraced by his love, and to know that you are the apple of his eye, precious child of God, so that you may be renewed in your faith, so that you may be strengthened for service. There is a need for only one thing today, that is to listen and attend to Jesus. See, the story of Mary and Martha is one that we can return to again and again to study, especially in our walk of faith, because there are many lessons, and those lessons are timeless. We all have aspects of Mary and Martha within us. You are not only a Martha, you are not only a Mary. We have both. However, today, I want to close with some application questions that I pray will help you or lead you to order your life. I pray this message will help us in terms of our priorities because we can be distracted from what is the most important priorities of our life. I pray this message will help you in your service be strengthened by it because hospitality is biblical. Loving people, strangers especially, is biblical. I hope it will help you as you consider these questions as I close. First question is this. 
After reading, studying, listening to this message of the story of Martha and Mary, do I have my priorities in order? You know, I've taken um, um, special effort, you know, because always you will hear people say Mary and Martha and not Martha and Mary. I've taken deliberate effort to make that conscious putting Martha first. Because in this story, there's just an overemphasis of Mary is right and Martha is wrong. Actually, that's not the point of the story. Point is, do I have my priorities in order? You know, at the close of the year, we are reflecting on 2022, and we're looking forward to 2023. It's a great time for us to reflect on some of these questions. Do I have my priorities in order? Are you spending too much time at work and not enough time with your growing baby? Secondly, are you like Martha, worried? Anxious about many things? Or are you more like Mary in this case, focused on listening to Jesus and spending time in his presence? Again, it's not a right or wrong, it's just where you're at. Because I want to tell you, there are times where you feel like you're pulled in every direction like Martha. And there are times where you, you know that you have just enjoyed the presence of God, spending that one hour walking, you know, and, and hearing the uh, Tim Keller podcast and saying, wow, what a precious word. And you're spending time listening to God's word or just having the Bible read to you as you're walking. Lastly, good reflection question as we come to the end of this year and look forward to the next year. Have I put devotion to Christ and his word first? Or am I more concerned about doing and it may be good deeds. It may be good works. I realize that the ministry that I have is an outflow of my life in God. You have no life in God, there's no ministry. I can go to Timor, I can go to, to Indonesia, I can be, you know, doing all the good works. But it will be empty of God's Spirit. That's not where I want it to be. So the three questions, do I have my priorities in order? At this season of my life, am I more like Mary or more like Martha? And what do I need to do to be choosing the good portion? Have I put devotion to Christ first and his word first? Or am I anxious and always concerned about the expectation of people for me to do the good work? Would you bow your hearts as we come before the Lord in prayer? As the worship team comes and uh, help us with a song, I want to open this time for you to just respond to the Lord in your way. I invite you to close your eyes, bow your hearts. I invite you to ponder even the three questions that are up here. Or any other thing the Holy Spirit is, is directing you. And the whole purpose is for you to bring order rest spiritual vitality into your life right now
Father God, we come before you in your presence. Acknowledging that God, the story opens up many things for us. Shows up where our heart is. Where you long for our hearts to be. So Father God, come by your Holy Spirit and do a quick work, a good work, a deep work in our lives that only you can do by your Spirit. Draw us to Christ once more. Help us see the beauty and the wonder of Christ. His presence, His Word, His salvation, His strength for us each day and our daily sanctification because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for each one of us. Lord, thank you for the reminder today to look into our lives and say, God, which part we need to reorder, which priorities we need to reorder. Lord, thank you for your word today, arresting our hearts and saying, you know, maybe Thomas, you're too distracted. You are too troubled, anxious. Or Thomas, you are, you are in the right place. You are in my presence and enjoy my sweet presence. I have firm. But Thomas, you need to you need to recommit to your devotion to the word, to the reading of God's word every day. Whatever it is, the Lord is speaking to you. Speaking to me. Father, come. Holy Spirit, come. Do a work in our hearts, Lord. Bring alignment. Help us to draw near and not and enjoy drawing near to you, sitting in your presence. Would you stand as we sing this song, as we close? Hallelujah. Will you worship the Lord? It's just like you are, you are in His presence, just you and Him alone. Let's worship Him. Oh, joyful, 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 we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like clouds before Thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive oh Lord, only in your presence can we experience that. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Oh yes, Lord, we worship you, Jesus. With joy surround me, earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around me, center of unbroken praise. Fields and forests, hill and mountain, flowery meadows, flashing sea. Flowing fountain.
apostles join the happy chorus which the morning stars began. Father, love is reigning o'er us. Brother, love binds men to men. Ever singing, march me onward, victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music lifts us onward in the triumph song of life. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you for your word to us today. We receive it. Help us, O oh God, to take the journey as we close the year to meditate and reflect on some of these questions about where we are and where you want us to be. Lord, we trust you for what is ahead in 2023. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. And would you now lift your hands, receive the blessing of the pandemic. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. To God be the glory. Let's lift up an offering to the Lord, a clap offering to the Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great Sunday ahead. Uh, for the rest of us who are going to ask questions about missions, I will see you upstairs. God bless you all. Have a good Sunday. Have a great day ahead. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.